Well, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that's deep, but also easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life whole Bible reading plan. We also have physical reading plans available in the lobby every Sunday. Yes, and as usual, if you've got any questions that come uh, to mind as you're reading or listening along with us, we would love to take some time at the end of every month. Uh, the last Friday to be exact, uh, and answer those questions for you. Uh, And not to be uh, an alarmist or anything, but that means we have two more Q&A podcasts left before the end of the year. So if you've got questions, send them in infogrove.church or direct message our Facebook page uh, and give it a thumbs up, a like, if you haven't done that yet already. Absolutely. So we're going to kick off uh, today's Bible talk by talking about the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, actually, I've really been enjoying this because Ezekiel is one of those books where I've read it once or twice. Um, but honestly, like before we started actually looking into it, I could have told you that he eats a scroll and uh, the dry bones. And yep. that, you know that's what I mean? It. So, two highlights. That's, that's, that's the only thing in there. So, oh, but there's more, folks. Oh, yeah. So it's been really fun uh, to actually dive in uh, to a book that maybe I haven't studied as much as I've studied other ones. And so today I wanted to highlight um, Ezekiel chapter 10. And this is. Um, one of two visions that Ezekiel has about God's glory and the temple. So I won't spoil what the other one is, but in two weeks, we're going to talk about that one again, because it's kind of a cool, it's kind a of a pseudo cool, spoiler, pseudo spoiler. It's, it's what we it's call it in two weeks. It's what we call a teaser in the industry, Aaron. but, uh, Listen, I'm not in your industry. It's, uh, yeah, it's, they're just great bookends. And so in this, uh, in this vision, Ezekiel actually sees the glory of the Lord read, uh, the temple. And so I'm just going to read uh, a small section and then I'm going to skip ahead and kind of read the end of it because um, there's a lot of describing what a cherubim looks like, which I don't think we need to get into all in this podcast. Uh, but Ezekiel chapter 10, starting in verse 1, it says, Then I looked, and behold, on the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, there appeared above them something like a sapphire, in appearance like a throne. And he said to the man clothed in linen, Go among the whirling wheels, but underneath the cherubim, Fill your hands with burning coals and between the cherubim and scatter them over the city. And he went in before my eyes. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the house when the man went in and a cloud filled the inner court. And the glory of the Lord went up from the cherubim to the threshold of the house and the house was filled with the cloud and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of God. And the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks." And when he commanded the man clothed in linen, take fire from between the whirling wheels and from between the cherubim, he went and stood behind a wheel, beside a wheel. And a cherub stretched out his hand from between the cherubim and the fire that was between the cherubim and took some of it and put the, and put it into the hands of the man clothed in linen who took it and went out. The cherubim appeared to have the form of a human and a hand under their wings. Uh, I don't know how many times I said cherubim just reading that. That's that, a lot. That was a lot. It's a, very, it's a lot, lot. Uh, but to, it's a lot of poetic language. So to kind of break it down, uh, Ezekiel's having this vision of essentially angels, you can call them that, um, but these spiritual heavenly beings um, that are above the temple. And what's really interesting is there's a, another man who comes who comes in and he's actually commanded to go in to grab burning coals and then to scatter all over Jerusalem, which would, you know, set the city on fire. When you mm-hmm. scatter burning coals, that's what happens. What? Um, but what's really interesting is that he's commanded to do this. And then when he goes in, the glory of the Lord fills the temple. Or in other words, um, this is what's supposed to happen. So a lot of times when you talk about the destruction of Jerusalem or when people were um, when people were scared of it, like think of the t- in the reign of Hezekiah when God protected Jerusalem, uh, God's God would not have approved of such a thing, but now 
all of a sudden this is something that is being approved of. So it says the, the basically the glory of God fills up the temple. And then if we skip forward, uh, so that was verse eight, but we're going to get to verse You shouldn't really now. skip forward when you read it, just so you know. No. But, but just well, for sake of conversation. As we're talking, <laughs> we're going to skip forward. Uh, in verse 18, it says, Then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. And the cherubim lifted their wings and mounted up from the earth before my eyes as they went out and with the wheels beside them. And they stood at the entrance of the east gate of the house of the Lord and the glory of God of the God of Israel was over them. And so you kind of just get this really interesting picture of someone goes in, he's commanded by God to grab these burning coals and to scatter them throughout the city. The glory of God fills the temple kind of one last time. And then as he leaves and as the cherubim or the angels kind of begin to fly away, the glory of God leaves the temple and then he essentially follows them as it goes away. And Ezekiel seeing all of this. Um, it's just a really important moment when we're thinking in terms of um, one of the, one of the big mistakes that we can make when we read the Bible is to not put ourselves into the situations that these people are living through. And so remember, like, you know, there, there is real historical context mm-hmm. that's happening here. And for these people, um, the temple was supposed to always stand. Jerusalem was supposed to always be here. This was God's city. They were God's people. Mm-hmm. They had seen him supernaturally protect it time and time again. Um, it kind of, it reminds me of when you look historically about the, um, almost the trauma that, and that might be a strong word, but when Rome fell, so I think it was 470 is when that happened. But there's this cultural trauma that just happens throughout history where people are writing about it and they're trying to wrestle through it. Um, and like, and like, what does it mean? Cause it, it, it's a similar thing in the sense of like, well, this was, this wasn't supposed to happen. And the mm-hmm. people of Israel are kind of feeling the same way. And I guess in modern historical context, there's really not much, I mean, maybe nine 11 kind of comes close mm-hmm. to that where it's just kind of this, this shocking thing that, um, wasn't supposed to happen all of a sudden, all of a yeah. sudden it happens, but that's what's going on at this time. And so when Ezekiel is seeing the glory of the Lord, uh, depart from the temple, and you're seeing all of these things happen. Just remember, like, at, put yourself into the situation of a first-century Jew. What does this mean for you? Um, the idea of exile, the idea of having to leave Jerusalem, having to leave, you know, the the promised land, yeah. the land that you had been given to your fathers, and all these different things. It's it's just an important thing, I think, uh, for us to wrestle wrestle through. Um, I promise the Old Testament's not all depressing because it's been really depressing the last few weeks, but it'll it'll pick up. There's a lot of hope coming, yeah. but uh, but yeah, that's what I wanted to highlight in Ezekiel. Yeah, and I think it's it's just important to remember everything you've been reading up to this point. We've been we've been journeying through Scripture in the Old Testament, uh, and this is it's a chronological timeline. So we're seeing uh, these these different moments, and even being reminded of the fact that the temple is is about to be done, like the physical building of the temple is about to be taken apart and right. demolished and destroyed. So uh, it's incredible. So good. Uh, we're going to also be reading Romans again uh, this week. We're kind of coming to the end of the book of Romans. Uh, it's it's funny how fast we go through these books because I remember taking a full-on semester studying this book of Romans. Romans um, is like, I think I, I can't remember who it was, but I, I know there was a pastor who did like a, a two-year sermon series in Romans and it's like 16 chapters. It's an amazingly deep book. Um, and I think we've already said that, but uh, one of the passages I want to highlight for us today is actually out of Romans chapter 14, verses 13 to 23. Uh, and so I'm just going to read it real quick and then and make a few comments about it. It says this, therefore, uh, Paul, again, speaking to the people, the Christian church at Rome, let us no longer judge one another. Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. 
Still, to someone who considers a thing to be unclean, to that one, it is unclean. For if your brother or sister is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy, but what you eat, oh wait, do not destroy by what you eat someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be slandered. For the kingdom of God is not of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and receives human approval. So then let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but it is wrong to make someone fall by what he eats. It is good thing. It is a good thing not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that makes your brother or sister stumble. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats because he's eating not from faith and and everything that is not from faith is sin. And it's interesting because this passage, I think I've heard often used in different arguments about eating or drinking or doing whatever I want in my behavior. And Paul is not saying that this gives us freedom to do whatever we want. Paul is actually addressing the conversation of faith and community. He's actually creating challenge and tension about how we live our lives in the context of community with one another. Uh, He starts off by saying, don't judge one another. And uh, the context here in scripture, Paul is addressing an argument that has broken out in the Roman church about uh, what uh, dietary laws. Is it okay for me to eat certain foods or should I not eat certain foods? And so there's this tension and this fight that's happened. And so Paul is just literally talking and saying, listen, but those of us who have come to a point of maturity in faith where we can eat meat or we can drink wine or we can uh, eat gluten. Well, no, we can't. That not- that's not biblical. I'm just kidding. Um, but we can do these things. It's it's to be done because we've come to an understanding that even as Paul said, nothing is unclean in and of itself. But it's our faith that determines our readiness and ability to eat. And for some people, drinking or eating meat or eating something, certain dietary restrictions is, is a matter of understanding that my faith is what determines whether or not right. And so we oftentimes, and this is where, I, I mean, kind of confusing, but this is where I really think it hits the road. Paul literally says uh, in verse 19, so then let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. And then he continues on, where does it say? It says, keep it to yourself. Verse 22, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. And oftentimes we are quick to make everyone aware of what we think, what we believe and what we understand. And what Paul is saying, that's not our job. That's not our role. As followers of Christ, we are meant to be about the body of Christ. So if there is someone who has a dietary uh, issue and doubting whether or not we should be having a certain meal or drinking a certain drink, we need to, as in our mature Christians, understand it's not about us. Paul says, if you have these, if you, whatever you believe, keep between yourself and God. So in your own private life, do what you do. Now, I think biblically it talks about doing things in excess. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, drinking moderation is okay, but when you drink it to excess, then it's, then it crosses the line into sinfulness. Uh, and so there's certain parameters throughout the entirety of scripture. Uh, but we also have to understand like our job as Christians is to look out for one another. If what I'm doing if what I'm saying, if how I'm living is creating a stumbling block for you, then it's my responsibility as a mature follower of Christ to stop and refrain from doing those things because it's about the body of Christ. We're meant to build one another up. And this is where he says the kingdom of God is not of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's 
righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit when we are unified as a body of, of Christ and, and family and brothers and sisters. And so one of the things that I would encourage and challenge us in reading this passage is to not use it as leverage to do what we want to do, but to accept the challenge that Paul is giving us to understand my job is to watch out for my brothers and sisters who are still maturing in their faith. I, I, I call, I'm cautious even to use the word weaker Christians because or weaker faith because we, we relegate that to where well, they're just weak Christians. They need to grow up. They need to buck up. They need to put some, you know, uh, they just need to figure that out. No, it's our job as, as mature followers and belie- followers of Christ and believers to help our brothers and sisters continue to grow and to be everything God has called them to be. And not because we have an idea and we want to do it because, well, we're more mature, quote unquote. Um, so I wish you could see my mannerisms when I'm talking because I'm actually only reinforcing what I'm trying to communicate. So, but it's just an interesting passage. I've heard a lot that I think and honestly has been misused uh, and to justify what I want when Paul's whole point of that is it's not about you. It's about the body of Christ. And so it's our role to be aware of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you saying that a Bible passage was misused out of context? Only in this I, one, only this one passage. Okay. The rest of scripture is totally always used. That would never happen. Accurately and relevantly. Um, again, I wish you could see my body language. So. That's fair. Uh, okay. Moving. <laughs> Psalm 117, bro. Psalm it's one, your turn. This is my time. Smallest uh, chapter in the Bible. So I was really, I was really excited to be able to talk about one, Psalm 117. I uh, almost get a little giddy. It's kind of, it's, it's really lame, but like, you know, when I was a kid, I was involved in junior Bible quiz. And one of the questions was, what is the shortest chapter in the Bible? And that answer is Psalm 117. So we're going to talk about it today. Um, because I do feel like, you know, it's, it's not like just some worthless throwaway two verses and then you're over. It's actually it's actually really interesting. Um, but as I said, uh, Psalm 117 is not only the shortest psalm in the book of Psalms. It is, in fact, the shortest uh, chapter in the whole Bible. It's only two verses long. Uh, and we are going to read it in its entirety right oh, now. It's going to take forever. I know. Uh, here we go. Verse 1. Uh, Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. Verse 2. For great is his steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. End chapter. Okay, so that's uh, essentially- it's 27 words. It was good stuff. I just counted while you were reading it. I like it. Uh, it's an interesting psalm because it it when I was looking at it, I knew I wanted to do it just because I think it's fun to do like you know the shortest chapter in the Bible. But I was actually looking at it. I think it's really interesting um, that this psalm is not an invitation for Israel to remember the steadfast love of God, nor is it a personal invitation for someone to remember the steadfast love of God, but rather it is, uh, praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples. Um, and when you, when you look through Psalms, that's actually fairly rare language. Um, and I was looking at the Psalms around it in Psalm 116, it talks about uh, Jerusalem and it says, you know, all Jerusalem praise the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And then Psalm 118, which uh, we're going to be talking about next week. Um, I know that because we've done the notes for next Spoiler. week. Spoilers. Um, but it's it's all about, you know, all, oh, Israel. I, I think I wrote down uh, exactly what it says, but basically it's just, you know, all, all Israel come forward, praise the Lord for his steadfast love mm-hmm. endures forever. And yet Psalm 117 um, is saying that the praise, giving praise to God is not something that's just for Israel. It's not something that's just for uh, Jerusalem, but rather it is something that all nations should be engaged in. And I think there's kind of this weird thing that we do when we, uh, when we're thinking about the history of salvation to where like, well, the old Testament is all about Israel. Um, and then we get to the new Testament and that's when, um, you know, God spread salvation to the rest of the world. Um, but if you remember all throughout the old Testament, 
there's examples of people who are not a part of the Israel who get to be a part of God's people, and there's also a continual foreshadowing of what eventually is, is what eventually is to come. Remember, God tells Abraham that um, through you, all nations will be blessed. He's not talking about your family or your people. He's specifically talking about the the world. Uh, will be blessed. And you think about um, biblical people like Rahab or Ruth uh, is a really famous one. People who were not um, born into Israel, they were not God's you know chosen people ethnically, I suppose you could say, mm-hmm. um, but they're allowed to come in and participate in, uh, in in that nation. They're allowed to participate in what God is doing. And so in Psalm and they're one- both, Aren't they both referenced in Jesus' lineage? I they, know Rahab is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Ruth is too, yeah, right? because yeah. Ruth is David's grandmother? Great grandmother, yeah, because of Boaz, so, she marries Boaz. Yeah, shout out and to Boaz, Boaz. Is the son of or the father of Obed, who's the father of Jesse? Boom. So great grandfather, who's the father of David? Boom. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so I just think I just think it's really interesting that when uh, when you actually kind of like deep dive a little bit and, and look a little bit uh, past just the surface of what you're saying, because it'd be really easy to say this like, okay, yeah, praise the Lord, whatever, and then just kind of move forward. Um, but remember, this psalm is talking about God's steadfast love, not just towards Israel. He's talking about steadfast love towards all people, which for the time I think is a really interesting uh, statement. And it just reminds us that um, it's not just the New Testament that cries out about Jesus. The whole of Scripture is talking about yeah, God's so redemption, redemptive plan that's going to be coming. Yeah, and I love it. It actually sets me up really well for Galatians as we're going to jump into that book. Put and the ball to, on the tee, bro. Yeah, well done, dude. I'm going to hopefully at least get some contact here. So, um, but Galatians, we're going to uh, actually jump into the book of Galatians this week as well. Um, and just a, just a little bit of context, Paul's writing uh, to the church of Galatia um, because what has happened is this church has developed from Paul's proclamation of the gospel. In other words, from Paul's preaching, this church has then uh, come into existence. And as soon as Paul leaves, there's false teachers who infiltrate this church and are starting to have false teachings. It's it's um, There's Jewish leaders that are coming into this church that are, in essence, just trying to prove to the uh, the, the Jewish leadership, the religious leaders, that they can convert Gentiles. Uh, and so, hey, check me out. Look how many people I can get over to, to, to come on, on my side of the, the belief spectrum uh, to kind of reject this whole newfound faith in Christ and kind of start following the way the law that I set up. Uh, and so Paul is writing to the church of Galatia uh, because he's, in essence, reestablishing the new covenant promise and freedom uh, that exists in Christ, where in essence, you don't have to become a Jew to be a Christian. You don't have to do what the Jewish law demands in order for you to become a Christian. Um, and it's it's in- interesting because even as Evan was saying with Psalm 119, or 117, sorry, um, that uh, the audience is primarily Gentile to the in the church of Galatia. And so there's this war going on between the Jew and the Gentile, and the, the, it's not about one specific group of people, but it's about all nations again. Uh, and so this is just Galatians 1, 6 through 10. This is Paul literally, uh, and I would say lovingly rebuking the church of Galatia, these early Christians. It says this in verse 6. It says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. These are these religious leaders who have infiltrated and are trying to create law and establish practices that are not, that are more works-based than grace-based. I also Uh, love that Paul just like jumps in with like, you've turned to another gospel. Not that there is another gospel, mind you. Hold up, pump the brakes, yeah. It just instantly... Well, in verse six, it's even like, this is his first thing that he hits. He does the greetings, typically one through five. Hey, Paul, I'm called to be apostle. And, and, you know, hey, just want to say hi. But you guys are turning away quickly. What's going on? 
Uh, and he continues on, but even if we, talking about this gospel, even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse beyond him. Paul isn't pulling punches. Paul is literally saying, listen, those who are speaking and teaching improperly and teaching the wrong gospel or adding to the, what you've already heard from us who taught you the gospel of Jesus, let them be cursed. And he says, and if we have said it before, I now say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. Uh, long and short, he's just telling them point blank. Don't listen to them. They're going to they're gonna drag them own self, their own selves down into punishment. You need to stay faithful to the, the gospel that I have taught you of Jesus Christ and the grace and the freedom that he comes to bring. It says this, for now, am I trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So along the short, Paul sets up his entire letter with this simple statement, stop turning away from false preachers. They're going to bring curses on themselves. So stop following them. Rely on what I taught you. Believe in what I taught you. Jesus is the son of God. He's the, the Lord of all creation. He died and rose again. So you can live freely in response to him. Don't worry about the works. Stop worrying about what people say. You have to do this, 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 and this. It's grace that you've been saved. Ephesians talks about this. It is for grace that you have been saved. So live in grace, because I think that is just a simple uh, reminder in the book of Galatians as we launch into it. This is what Paul is addressing and attacking in this early church. And it's important and imperative for us to hear that even today, because there's so many different quote unquote gospels uh, that we could probably take a full week of podcasting just for that topic. But anyways. Yeah, there's there's one gospel. It's the one that's true. Stick with it. Uh, Don't be deceived by other stuff. Um, And on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for this week of Let's Read the Bible. A little bit of a shorter episode today, but we didn't have quite as much uh, to get through. Next as... week will be longer, I promise. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't worry about Stay that. Stay tuned. Uh, but I will remind everyone that uh, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. If you want to check out our other resources, you can visit our website at grove.church. Um, and also do us a favor, leave us a review on whatever uh, you know device you're listening on. We love feedback. Uh, we love to get... Uh, just to know how that we how we can do better, send in your questions, mm-hmm. and we will see you all next week.